0: Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick
1: the podcast. And I shut my kickhole, (laughs) y'all. I can't handle that, okay. Um, (laughs) um, And today we'll be talking about the 12th episode of the first season of Supernatural, uh, entitled Faith. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so let's
0: start. Oh, where do I want to start today? There's so much in
1: this episode. Just so much. I love this episode. I'm not going to lie to you. And actually, it's probably worth putting as a blanket statement now. This particular episode, because of what Jamie already knows about the series, we're probably going to end up discussing some stuff that will be spoiler adjacent um, if you have never seen the show before. So if you are are listening to this, having never actually watched the show beyond this point, and you don't know much about future seasons or characters, it might be worth taking, like, a note of caution that there could be spoilers in our discussion. And I
0: think we might try to note if we do have any specific spoilers come up later. Put them in the bio. We might make a little note either in the bio or, like, just before we actually speak the spoilers so that we can be like, skip ahead
1: a couple of minutes. Yeah, a couple of minutes. So just full full warning, uh, there will probably be some, not probably massive spoilers, but if you've never seen the show before, reasonable spoilers that you may want to avoid so full disclosure do what you want (laughs) do what you will with that information
0: okay so where do where do we even start start at the start start at the start
1: yeah
0: i'm gonna start with the very start of the episode then they're in the hunt with the kids in the basement yeah and i don't know if it's dean who goes to sam or sam that goes to dean i don't remember that specifically but they basically just go you only get one shot with these things so make it count it's like don't
1: you only get one shot with most supernatural beings? <laughs> no, I think it's because they're using the tasers and they're charged. So once you fire it, it's it's done. Like you would have to recharge it, right? And they don't have time for that. So they've got two. So Sam has one and Dean has one, which is why they only have one, one shot. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the tasers because I also want to talk about the tasers. Did you notice again at the very start, they really switched it up actually honest. Uh, by dropping us straight into an active hunt right at the climax, I think it's the first time they've done that. Yeah,
0: not any in the series. So the only other time you could argue they did something similar was skin.
1: Yes, but that but was that
0: was a sort of flash, flash forward, forward versus yeah. an actual like oh they're just completing this hunt.
1: Yeah, and then sort
0: of starting the episode as the conclusion of that hunt. Yeah,
1: which is interesting. Forward. Uh, interesting as well like thinking about just the concept of these characters have a life outside of what we actually see on screen because obviously they've gone on this hunt in between the episodes that we've seen and we don't see any of it except for the last like five minutes so I just thought that was interesting and worth mentioning but the real reason I want to talk about it is because Dean goes I've cranked these up to a hundred thousand volts and I was like that seems like volts that would kill you instantly <laughs> instantly like not even like it might like it would absolutely kill you and i did take liberty did, did you, you google this i this googled you were googling it. It? i googled this ahead of time so that i didn't waste time in the episode googling it this is what wikipedia says assuming a steady current flow as opposed to a shock from a capacitor or from static electricity yeah. shocks above 2700 volts are often fatal with those above 11,000 volts being usually fatal, although exceptional cases have been noted. So Dean electrocuting himself effectively with 100,000 volts and coming out of that with, like, uh, what what do they say? Like He had a
0: heart attack because he of the electricity. He had a heart attack. And that's but, obviously
1: done damage to like, his heart. But his heart was damaged. It's like, no, his heart is dead. <laughs> like, the fact that Could he survived fair, over 10 times what is... Just usually fatal. To be fair, though, there would have been loss of current. Yeah, but surely not that much. Not not 90,000 volts. And the thing is, there was nothing stopping them from saying, I've cranked it to 10,000 volts. That's still enough to effectively fry whatever monster they're hunting, surely. But they specify 100,000, and I just thought, that is such overkill. <laughs> Sorry. Is it
0: even physically possible to crank a taser up to 100,000 volts?
1: Probably not. Probably not. Not when 11,000 is usually fatal. Because
0: you've also got to remember, it's not like he just, like, shoots the taser and it goes, shh, and it stops. Like, it goes, it goes. for a long time. Which, let's talk about the special effects in the electrocution.
1: Mm. I oh. knew you were going to bring this up.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Wow.
1: That was a choice. Oh, God. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> it's just like the Palpatine lightning again. Like, it's the same effect. I don't know what you're expecting from them. Like, <laughs> he's being electrocuted. They show lightning. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I, how would you have done it differently?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not with the Emperor Palpatine lightning. <laughs> you know what I would have done? What? I would have just had the actors do it without any special effects, and use the money that you save on special effects to provide some lighting for this episode. Oh my God. Because um. I was watching it in a pitch black room and I still couldn't fucking see what was happening. Yeah. Because it's like, I know you just said that this is one of your favourite episodes, but it's like the lighting was steadily increasing and getting better and it took a hard left into like this is straight up night. It's the middle of the day, but it's night.
1: Or actually, when they're hunting the thing, it is night and they're in a basement at night with no lighting. So, as per your comments in Asylum, it does make sense for there to be no lighting in but that then scene. They're in the middle
0: of the day in the field and it's still just as oh, dark as when they were in the basement at the
1: middle of the night. It's overcast, so. It should still be brighter. <laughs> oh, look, we're just never going to agree on this point, I don't think. <laughs> One other thing that was interesting about this little intro section is that we never actually learned what they were hunting. Or at least not that I noticed anyway. Like, we know, obviously, that they were on a hunt and they know that we know how the hunt ended. Um, But, yeah, we never actually find out what that monster was or, like, what was up with those, like, little kids in the basement. Like, they just kind of, okay, no worries. Not important. And, like, I guess it's not. But, I don't know, for me, I'm just like, oh, I kind of wish I knew... Like what it was. I mean, you know? I guess you
0: could probably go through like your bestiary and try to work out what it is, probably based on the fact that they had to electrocute it. Because I'm imagining not oh, yeah. too many supernatural beings in the supernatural specifically universe have
1: to be electrocuted versus like bird. Like yeah. so many of them
0: have to be bird. Like salted and bird.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe I'll have a flick through. But yeah, I don't know if they. I just kind of wish that I knew what it was. Just out of pure interest. Like I, I, mean, I know I think it doesn't. I affect... might
0: mention it like very very briefly in that first entry thing,
1: but I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe I'll just go back and check. But, yeah, no, I just thought, like, I don't know. Like, it's not actually important or relevant, but I just, like, I like knowing what things are. I like... You want to know what almost killed Dean.
0: Well... But also, like, it was very obvious that he wasn't going to die because there's still 19 extra seasons
1: to go. Can you imagine if that had been it? (laughs) If that had been the end of the show? Plot
0: twist. Would have been better than the actual finale. (laughs) Plot twist. turns out Supernatural is just
1: about Sam now. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, then we then we go to Dean in the hospital, and he's yes. lying there. And Sam has just received the prognosis from the doctor, and it's not good. Basically, they they sort of say, "Look, he may have a week, he may have a month. We don't really know. All we can do is make him comfortable." And Sam's like, uh, "Not good enough." Sam took um, that as a
0: challenge. The doctors are like, "There's
1: right. nothing we can do." And Sam's, Sam's like, like mm, "You want to bet, law boys, on the case?" <laughs> But no, I love he like goes in and Dean is obviously like really deflecting with humor as he is wont to do, Um, really sort of making a joke out of it. And Sam's really not having it. But one thing I love about it is Dean's like flicking through and he's like, oh, have you ever actually watched daytime TV? Like, it fucking sucks. And I'm like, bro, you literally told us not, like, five episodes ago that you watch Oprah. So <laughs> I don't know who you think you're fooling, but it's not me.
0: Here's what gets me, though. Yeah. When Sam's doing his research into, like, who can... Mm-hmm. This would have been a prime time for them to bring Missouri back, and they didn't. Again, she's my favourite
1: character already. Which is honestly fair. <laughs> like... She's so good,
0: but how good would that have been?
1: Yeah, you're right. Like now I'm just making you sad, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, because I love her so much, and you're right. She's completely underutilized. This is going to be my thing going forward. I'm just like, but yeah, Missouri could have been in Missouri. This is how Missouri could have made this episode better, <laughs> and that's it's always going to be a fair argument. It's valid.
0: Um, I am valid for wanting Missouri in every episode of Supernatural. Fuck the brothers. Let's just follow Missouri.
1: Literally. There's a lot of people who have that opinion about a lot of different characters. Primarily Cass in later seasons. People are like, oh, who cares what everyone else is doing? What's Cass up to? Um, And I feel like that's kind of the approach you're taking with Missouri. (laughs) Getting early. Yeah. Um, She's in the
0: character and I'm sticking to them.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's how Supernatural fandom works. You pick one and then you kind of put up with the rest.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be in the minority already, though. Like, I don't think yeah. there's a lot of Missouri stands out there.
1: Oh, there are probably a lot of Missouri stands, but I just wouldn't say that she's the character that really gets heavily leaned on for most of the series because she's not in most of the series.
0: <laughs> Which is a goddamn shame.
1: It is. Anyway, I also wanted to talk about when Sam is uh, trying to find ways to save Dean, and he calls John, who doesn't answer. And then he leaves a voicemail that we know John never calls them back about. And it's like, at this point, we know that man is listening to his damn voicemail. Because we know he got the call from Dean, which he also didn't respond to. It's like, your son is literally dying in hospital. And your other son is calling you distraught, desperate. And you're just like, "Eh, I'm sure they'll be fine. Like, you really, really couldn't find time. To pick up the phone. Really? It's like, John looked at parental responsibilities and was like, never heard of it. Oh, God. He's like, who's going to dramatise these kids? Nobody? I'll do it. Like, oh. The bane of my existence, honestly, is John Winchester's shitty fucking parenting. I will
0: say one more thing about that scene. Mm -hmm. I was fully expecting the cops to be evil. One of minor characters, you never see them again in the episode. But, like, something about the one that talks to Sam. Their vibes. The vibes... Trash, rubbish, <laughs> hideous. I hated the vibes. I, was I, like, I, I don't I'm think I even kidding. noticed. I forgot they were in the episode until you literally just said it. Again, it's not important, but I was I was sitting there going, the vibes on this one, trash. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hideous. No thanks. And so I was kind of expecting, because most of the time when I get that vibe about, like, the police officers and stuff, yeah. normally it comes back. Yeah. Like in Dead in the, Dead water. In the water. I'm like, the... Vibes on this sheriff. Trash. That's mainly because he was running a daycare centre basically yeah. in a cop shop.
1: But <laughs> Actually, it's funny that you mention that because I had a look at who wrote the episode because I noticed that Sarah Gamble wrote it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Sarah Gamble, because I know that we've talked about uh, her being a writer before. Um, and Rael Tucker was the co-writer. I went back and they actually wrote Dead in the Water as well. That was the other thing I was Googling earlier. So they – of the episodes that we have seen so far – they have written Dead in the Water and then Faith, which is this episode that we're watching. And then they've got another two this season. So I thought it was worth mentioning because I knew that you didn't, you actually kind of liked Dead in the Water compared to some of the other episodes. So I At thought, least from a writing and plotline perspective. Yeah. And as you know, Sarah Gamble becomes <laughs> um, and then yeah, Sarah Gamble becomes showrunner for season six and seven. So I thought it would be worth noting uh, that this was also one of her episodes nine times out of ten, i don't give a shit about writers but you're telling me it's important it's kind of important to, to note <laughs> sometimes in supernatural um because you can pick up on like running themes and, and characters that only certain writers usually use makes it a little bit more interesting i guess okay so let's move ahead to when sam has dragged
0: dean to the church essentially yeah big tent yeah and he's sort of like who is this dude jesus like yeah. <laughs> like, I don't believe in this shit. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in It's like I think I've had this conversation with you before. It's like they are constantly like, "Oh, I don't believe in this." It's like Yeah. You've fought Bellarly Mary. You've fought Wendigos. You've fought Yeah. Like in this episode, they fucking fight the Grim Reaper.
1: Correction, not the Grim Reaper, a, a Grim Grim Reaper. Reaper. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I think like with this particular thing on I wanted to talk about this as well because I think it's a really interesting dynamic they've chosen where they've given Dean this, like, skeptic viewpoint and Sam this believing viewpoint, you know. Um, It makes it an interesting sort of back and forth. And this is one of those things that will become more relevant moving forward, especially once we get to season five. Going back and rewatching this episode will be very interesting. For, for you, having never seen it before, me having seen it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like funny. For you going back, you'll be like, oh, <laughs> like that's a lot of um, forethought, I guess. But um, yes, no, I think it's it's fascinating. I think the reason that Dean, and this is just my opinion, but, you know, they say in the episode when they're having that little argument as they're going to the tent, you know, Sam says... How can you be a skeptic, Dean? Like, the things that we see every day. And Dean's like, yeah, exactly. The things that we've seen every day. Like, I've seen what these things do to good people. And I think the argument that could be had here is that if Dean were to believe that there was some sort of divine power who was capable of intervention, he would also have to accept that that divine power was choosing not to intervene. And it's kind of like, how can you justify that? If you are a being who has the power to end that suffering and who has the power to prevent all these horrible things happening, like to their own family, then I wouldn't want to, like me personally, this could be my beliefs bleeding in, but like, you know, if I knew that there was some being above us all who could see the suffering on earth and was choosing to just let it happen instead of intervening and just preventing it, like if someone could just magically snap their fingers and end poverty and end starvation and end disease and Why wouldn't they just do it? For me, at least, I think that what Dean is sort of getting at is, you know, if I believe that there is a God, then I have to accept that he's choosing not to help. And that is a shitty thing to have to sort of come to terms with, knowing that there is someone who has the ability to help you and is simply choosing not to and is choosing to watch you suffer. It is one reading. It's certainly not the only reading, and it is certainly impacted by my own thought processes but that is how i interpreted that conversation whereas sam is more like i think he likes the idea of there being something that is pure somehow you know and is like just inexplicable in a good way as compared to their usual inexplicable in a terrible way you know so i feel like maybe that's the dichotomy there yeah and it's certain like i said it's certainly a larger conversation and this is only my opinion but and also, this is like a 40 minute long comedy podcast about the first season of Supernatural, but. <laughs> it's not a, uh, like. Uh, wow, we're getting too deep. Religion 101. <laughs> yeah. God damn, don't make this
0: lighter. Okay, let, let's talk about how the priest basically goes, God has picked Judean. As far as I know, that's a massive fucking spoiler for the future seasons.
1: Yes, and this is uh, the warning that I gave at the start of the episode. If you haven't seen future seasons of Supernatural and you're looking to avoid all spoilers, now is probably a good time to stop listening because I am going to talk about it. Uh, So, warning out of the way, yes, this entire episode is such foreshadowing for so many things. And the hilarious thing about it is it is entirely unintentional because Kripke did not want angels and theology involved in his show. The only reason that angels became involved in the show is because of the writer's strike that happened mid to end season three. And they had to find a way to fix the plot line of season three. And they just decided that they were going to go with divine intervention. That was the only way they could snap fix it. So everything about faith and angels in this episode, particularly directed at Dean, and him not believing that he deserves any of it is completely unintentional foreshadowing. And it's one of my favorite examples of supernatural was really good, but only accidentally. It's bizarre. Like I have taken so many quotes. It's just like, I didn't pick you Dean, the Lord did. And he's like, I'm not exactly a believer. And the guy turns to him and goes, you will be son. You will be. And it's like, damn fucking right, he will. Even when he goes to get healed, the preacher originally, like uh, Roy, I think his name is, originally goes to put his hand on his damn shoulder, which is exactly like like the handprint thing. You know, it's just, it's too on the nose. Like, watching it back, it's like you have to think, wow, they really put a lot of thought into this three years ahead. And it's like, mm, no, <laughs> they actually didn't. They put no thought into this. It just perfectly he lines up. you also got
0: to remember that when... Dean basically gets chased off the church grounds property. Yeah. The cops threaten him specifically
1: with the, the fear, fear of God. God. Yeah.
0: Okay. Knowing like a little bit of what I know of like the future seasons in terms of the whole like God is an actual thing.
1: Yeah. What a choice of words. Yeah. Especially given, especially if anyone's watched the last season, um, the the whole plot of the last season is is very relevant to, to this episode. Like it's bizarre to me how on the nose it is and even there's a quote from uh, uh Layla is in this episode she is a i actually think she's a fantastic one-off character she is a character who has a brain tumor and she's there to be healed by roy and um her mother has this quote where she looks at dean and she says to him why do you deserve to live more than my daughter and it's kind of heartbreaking because one he doesn't think he does <laughs> like his sort of whole point this episode is i should have died Someone else should have lived, you know. And, like, even when Roy says, I'll come up to be healed, he tries to tell him, no, pick someone else, pick someone else. And and it clearly, it wars on him throughout the episode that if he hadn't been there, maybe Layla would have been healed. Maybe she would have been saved because he sees her as more worthy of living. And even that comes back to the first episode of season four where, um you know, we have more of an introduction to, to angels. That's, like, one of the first things... To hit Dean, like, one of the first things they say to him is, you don't think you deserve to be saved. And it's this crazy... Dean literally says to Sam, you never should have brought me here. Which,
0: for me, was a little confusing. It's like, well, so you just wanted to continue to allow this dude to heal some people and kill others? like
1: Yeah, it's like, well, you showing up does mean that you found out that something was fishy was going on and now you can stop it. But, yeah, it's, it's also like Dean has this horrible guilt now that like he's only alive because someone else is dead and he can't fix it though
0: this entire plot like the whole like you can save one person but kill another thing reminded me so much there's this show called pushing daisies
1: oh yeah Brilliant i do you know, I never watched that but everyone said i should maybe that'll be another spin-off for us it's very good
0: pushing daisies i really thoroughly enjoyed it but basically the whole concept is He can bring people back to life with a touch. Like if you see someone who's dead, he touches them, Mm -hmm. they come back to life. But he's only got 60 seconds before he has to touch them again. Otherwise they stay alive. And someone else dies. And someone else dies to essentially pay the price. So is it justifiable to bring somebody back if you know somebody else is going to die from it?
1: Yeah. And um, there's even a quote that Dean brings up where he says, uh, you know, playing God and picking who lives and who dies, that's a monster in my book. And that will be really interesting to come back to in season seven, I believe. That's still four years
0: down the track. But so hey.
1: I won't talk about that too much because I don't think you know anything about this plotline. but no. that particular quote. Again, I know a lot about like the very, very end, but I don't know a lot about the start and middle. Yeah. So yeah, playing God, picking who lives and who dies, that's a monster in my book. Especially coming from Dean is an interesting... uh, It's an interesting take? It's an interesting quote um, to reflect back on, having watched season six, seven, and the choices that are made by some of the other main characters. And Dean himself, obviously. But um, yes, that one will be fun to look back on, I think, once we get to that point. Okay. What I would like to talk about is the,
0: it's such like it's not like a plot hole but it's also like the characters are so dumb that i'm like <laughs> so sam searches the library right finds the little spell book that's yeah. binding the reaper uh-huh. the priest is blind they're still going off like oh
1: yeah like it's the priest who's doing this <laughs> the priest is fucking blind i mean i guess he they could think he was like it was like an act maybe but like yeah you know i never thought about that the priest is blind. So I'm sitting there going, well, it can't be the priest because
0: either the priest isn't actually blind or it's not the priest. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Maybe the it is the priest then maybe the priest is blind. But then maybe it's like how he says to about how his wife reads in the newspaper every morning. Oh, yeah. Like is the, the wife just sitting there like reading this little spell book?
1: <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing, actually. I have a question about the wife and this confuses me. Her name's Sue Ann. And through the course of the episode, you learn that it's not actually Roy who is controlling uh, the Reaper and causing these people to die, but it's actually Suan who is in control. And Roy actually, for all intents and purposes that we're shown, seems like to be a pretty decent human being who genuinely thinks he has this power from God to yeah. heal people. And we know, of course, that it's actually Suan who has this weird twisted complex who thinks she's doing the Lord's work by killing off people who she personally deems to be immoral and... You know. Can we briefly talk about the
0: homophobia in this episode? Yeah,
1: I was just wondering how to touch on that. Yes, no. So, the people that she deems as immoral include uh, an openly gay school teacher, a pro choice um, activist. Activist, that's the word. And also the guy who's been pamphleting out the front of their congregation saying that the guy's a, a scammer. And it's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know if that's the work of God you're doing, suanne That seems like pretty specific, personal beliefs that you have that you're against. I don't think it's the work of the Lord that you're doing. I think you're just a shitty human who's down to murder. You know? For your own personal convenience. For your own personal convenience and based on your own beliefs, not the actual, like, because good I of can, the community or whatever.
0: I can sort of understand how, in your brain, you could justify the homosexual school teacher, and the pro-choice activist, if you are believing that God thinks that is evil, etc. But, like, the pamphlet are outside your church. Yeah. It, like, how do you justify that in your own moral belief system? It's like...
1: Yes. Yes. So, um, she's definitely just going with her own personal vendettas. And she's, yes. like, being like, oh, I'm doing it because the Lord has told me. And it's like, the Lord didn't tell you shit. You're just, like... And I can sort of
0: understand the um, school teacher and the pro-choice activist as something that they could justify to within herself, themselves within their own moral belief system framed by modern religion and Society. the church and the bible
1: but seriously like the pamphlet dude yeah that's a personal that's vend- a personal like, vendetta all of it is a personal vendetta but like especially that one she can't be like well the bible says that you can't hand out pamphlets in a public space <laughs> <laughs> there is no argument there, but one thing that I wanted to talk about with her that I, other than that, I mean, I understood that in her like twisted, yeah, like version of events, how she could justify to herself the killings. What I didn't understand was why she didn't want to heal Layla. Yeah. Like, I don't know because maybe she's not
0: the one who's choosing. People so maybe to heal. Roy
1: just chooses, chooses people, people at, at random. random. Yeah. Because
0: Based on his perception of people.
1: Yeah, but then, like, you know, she comes to the house and um, Suzanne, or sorry, Su just, like, turns them away. She's like, oh, Roy's resting. It's like, he was just chatting to Dean. He's having a cup of iced tea. I don't think he's napping. Like, so for me, I was like, it, I felt confused because these women, Layla and her mother, whose name I, I don't know if they ever actually give us, are clearly very devout clearly the kind of people they would want to have in their congregation and they're just turning them away in favor of healing people like dean who've just like shown up randomly on the day or that guy that he heals right at the very end when it kills the jogger and it's like
0: he is clearly i would say at least in his 70s yeah why are you healing a guy in his 70s like i'm not trying to be i have never understood prioritizing people who have lived their lives over someone who's just starting to live their life if that makes
1: sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. Like, and other than Roy saying like, oh, the, the Lord chose you. We don't really get any other like insight into how he's choosing people. And especially seeing as we know that it's not the Lord who's doing the healing. You've got to wonder like how he's choosing people. Yeah. You know, is he just
0: I think pointing just at the a-
1: crowd and being like you? <laughs> I think he does a vibe check.
0: <laughs> he's like, the vibes on this one, disgusting. No thanks. But you... Great vibes.
1: Get up here. Yeah. And it's like also, one of the things that I was thinking actually that I forgot to mention at the start was that the location that they have chosen to set up this tent is just the worst possible location. I'm like, you've got all these people with crutches and wheelchairs and mobility aids and you've got them in this, like, muddy fucking... The disability access is terrible. It's terrible. You Considering your tiger demographic like, is ill and disabled people. Like, why would you... Like, surely you could have set up on, like... I don't know. In like a building for fucking starters. Surely there is like a local church or recreation center or fucking town hall that you could rent once a month, and that has like you know but from disability what I can access. Tell they
0: have like he has a sermon every single day. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I guess. I guess they never specify. Just based on how quickly, quickly the
1: episode progresses. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But then that also doesn't make sense because they only found like seven. Suspicious deaths or something. Maybe
1: it's once a week, and then we just don't really get the the days in the, between. the time skips. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like, bro, you've got that whole big fucking house. You're telling me that there's no way you could have installed a ramp and like used a lounge room or something. But no, you've got all these people out in the fucking mud. I just, I poor location scouting. Poor location scouting.
0: Okay, I want to I want to say and give the boys a suggestion about what, about what they should have done. For the episode, right? Okay. They should have just tried to talk to death. He seems very reasonable and very dapper. The Reaper.
1: Yeah. The Reaper, yeah. (laughs) He seems chill. He seems chill. I actually, I was hoping you would bring up the Reaper itself because I really like... You do know you're allowed to bring stuff up on this podcast, Bethany. Yeah, but like, I like when you do it organically. (laughs) I really... He's very dapper, though. I really enjoy... Uh, the concept of Reapers in Supernatural. Um, They are a recurring... uh, I wouldn't call them a monster, but they are a recurring, like, entity. Profession. Yeah, yeah. Um, That we come across throughout the series for, like, various reasons, and they have varying levels of importance in plot and things, but I really like the way that they sort of portray them. I think it's really interesting. Especially, I like that they don't just have, like the Grim Reaper. I like that it's like an organization of of Reapers. One thing that I also wanted to talk about in terms of the Reaper and I wanted to get your opinion on was oh, I, I don't think It only ever ends badly for me. I don't think it ever ends badly for me. I don't know why I ask your opinion on things, because it's always it was shit. <laughs> like I really like the montage they do when Sam and Dean are discussing the fact that they've they've figured out that it is a reaper and they're talking about the implications of this. And it shows Roy who's healing the older gentleman with the can, uh, cannula. And it shows the younger woman dying on her jog. And I really enjoy the way that that scene was kind of put together. I thought it was really interesting. You're looking at me like you can't wait to tear it to shreds. So, <laughs> go nuts, okay. I guess. Okay. <laughs>
0: So, look, I had no issues with the way the scene was shot or the way it was edited together. Mm. What I take issue with was the music, the background <laughs> music. I don't know what it is about that specific piece of music. I just didn't like it. Okay. It's not that it was a bad fit for the episode, etc. It just – I didn't like you it. You didn't like it. Okay. I'm, sitting, I'm like, oh, I don't like this
1: piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if that is your biggest complaint, then I guess I will take the win. It was um, fine. Because, yeah, I I really love that montage. I think it's really fun. I think it's really, like... It's interesting because, like, we're learning what the monster, quote-unquote, is while also watching the, like, death happen. So it's, like, it's interesting because you, like, get to see it in real time as they're discussing it, which is not often something that you get to do because usually if you're seeing a killing happen in real time, they're preoccupied with trying to prevent the killing or to kill it. Rather than having a, like, academic discussion about the process of which the murder is occurring.
0: Bethany, your I don't nerd know. is
1: showing. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was a, a usable, a coherent sentence or not. I guess we'll find out.
0: But yeah, your nerd is showing. Like, it's popped all the
1: way up. <laughs> when they have figured out what's going on and we go to the tent and we have uh, Sam who is... Uh, out in the car park trying to prevent the uh, the death after he's found who is next on the kill list. And we've got Dean inside the tent trying to prevent the healing. And it's this heartbreaking moment where Roy finally says, you know, Layla, it's your time, like, come to get healed. And we know that Dean can't let that happen because we know that he knows even if she is saved, someone else will be killed and it will not be, it's not like there's no strings attached. Um, and so it's this horrible moment where poor Dean just feels so guilty because he came and he got he got healed he got know? healed
0: before they realized what the
1: implications of being healed yeah were. and so he's here having to try and say to this woman who has maybe six months left to live and who, who has been trying for the last six months to to be healed. be healed and he has to say to her just trust me don't let him heal you and she obviously is like sorry dude not gonna listen to you yeah that's very valid I'm going to let this man heal me with his magic hand
0: because what's the worst that could happen she doesn't she know doesn't know the any stakes. sort of information about how this man is actually healing people exactly she is obviously very clearly a big believer in
1: God she's very devout yeah. she's
0: very devout she's very much devoted her remaining time to God in the hopes that it will heal her yeah and she doesn't know that it's not actually God but merely the wife of the pastor. Who has trapped the fucking, well, not the fucking, trapped a fucking reaper, <laughs> and is now trading one life for another. She doesn't yeah. know any of that because she's coming at it from a Christian theological framework where it is a pastor who has been blessed by God. Yeah. And the pastor is now healing people with that, with that faith, power. with that blessed power. I am. Um, not, you know, the wife is. Basically, crazy track a pagan deity,
1: pretty well. Like, yeah. One thing that I kind of wish could have happened in the episode, but I do understand why it didn't, is I wish that the Reaper, once he was freed after Sam destroyed the amulet, I kind of wish that, considering he chose to kill Suan who yeah. had been like controlling, controlling him. him, which like valid. I kind of wish that Sueann's life force had been given to Layla. Yeah, it does. Like, I understand why it didn't. Because the whole point is that you should not be playing God. You should not be choosing who lives and who dies. Sue Ann's death was a direct... It was the Reaper's vengeance
0: on Sue Anne for
1: trapping it and controlling it and using it for her own bidding. Exactly. Her death was a direct consequence of her messing with things beyond her control. And I understand why the Reaper would then kill her. It's unfortunate that it doesn't translate to the Reaper then obviously being able to be like, well, then this random woman can live because that's not how it works. That's not... That's the natural clear. order.
0: I think it's also this case of killing Suan was a punishment for Suan's actions. If the Reaper had then transferred that life force to Layla, it's sort of like then Suan sort of wins anyway. Because what Suan wanted was for Layla to live. So even using Suan's life force to save Layla, it's still in some aspects doing what Suan wanted the Reaper to do.
1: I guess so. I so feel like. I feel like Suan's motivations, though, were less about healing people and more about killing people. Yes. You know? But um, the Reaper doesn't
0: really know that.
1: Like, that's not something
0: that you can make a clear distinction from.
1: I think the Reaper doesn't that. give a shit. I think the yes. Reaper was just like, as long as she's dead, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's, for me, it's this case of if they had healed Layla, even with Suan's life force, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense to me. I probably would have picked that out as something that was like a plot hole. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, just because of the logic of, okay, let me pretend to be the Reaper for a minute. And yes, I know it's not like a single, it's an organisation. Yeah, yeah. This specific Reaper in this episode. Yeah. If I pretend to be the Reaper for a second, I am a powerful cosmic entity. Yeah. I have just been shackled to this fucking one white woman who's using me to target her enemies and then save people that she deems acceptable. Worthy, Yeah. I ain't helping her with anything. Like mm-hmm. as soon as I am free and I am able to unleash my cosmic power on that one woman, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I am not going to help one final person that she wanted me to help. Yeah, regardless of whether her motivations lie more in the healing or the killing. Yeah, doesn't matter. I am not doing. It. Anything else that this one person wants me to do. Like, I have done enough for this bitch.
1: I am out. (laughs) And the interesting, uh, like Sam even makes the analogy in the episode, like she's essentially put a dog leash on a great white shark, which is bizarre. but Iconic imagery. Imagery, right. What is really interesting about the concept of Reapers and of death is that they don't have, the Reapers don't take sides in that. No, They are there to maintain uh, the natural order and the natural balance of life and death. It is not a, well, this person is a good person, so they will live. And this person is a bad person, so they will die. Death is not a punishment to be doled out. And life is not a reward to be doled out. It is just a, this is your time to die. For whatever reason, in whatever scheme... It is now your time to die or it is not your time to die. And so they don't have that sort of moral, ethical conundrum that people have in do they live or die? No. So
0: the reaper killing Sue Ann is not Sue Ann is a bad person, therefore I should kill her. Yeah, it's it is
1: revenge motivated.
0: Revenge motivated. Sue Ann has kept me trapped for however many
1: months. Mm-hmm. I want to kill her yes. <laughs> um, but and then that explains like obviously they don't save Layla because it's not yeah. her it is not her time to live it is her time to die and regardless of what Suan wanted as she said like you know regardless of her motivations the Reaper is not going to willingly kill anyone whose time is not up and they're not going to extend the life of anyone whose time is up you know and it does sort of beg the question for me, And obviously Dean continues to live beyond this episode, but it does sort of beg the question if maybe those people that Roy healed previously, if then a Reaper came for them and took them when they should have gone anyway, because that would be the way to return to the natural order, you know?
0: But then at the same time, is it a case of because there was that exchange, does that therefore mean that then they get sort of the time mm-hmm. for the soul that was taken to yeah. restore them. So like would Dean have had the reaper come from for him when the
1: 37-year-old who died of a heart attack would have gone and would burn? have naturally gone. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It brings up a couple of questions and I really do love the concept of Is that why there was the rusty nail? I mean, it did stab him in the heart, didn't it? Is that when <laughs>
0: Is that why Dean died in the random,
1: Is that how random jogger age twenty seven was supposed to die? And so that's what Dean got. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, nice. Oh god, I'm still not over that. It's too traumatic. One thing that I did want to talk about while we're sort of still on the topic of Suanne is when Dean corners her in the tent and she like calls for help. Um, where do the cops come from? They must just they be just part of the parish. They appear guess.
0: out of, like, seemingly nowhere. No, no, no. They don't appear out of seemingly nowhere. Where the are they from? I will bring you back to the earlier scene. Yeah. The cops hang around because of the pamphlet guy.
1: Yeah, but, like, they're in the tent.
0: and like, They're not they're... in the tent. They hear her yelling and they run into the tent. No, 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 no. Which, assuming that the coppers are already there, when somebody starts screaming fire in the tent, what are you going to do if you're a
1: cop? Um, well help people get out because you're not a fire officer (laughs) but
0: exactly but you're going to call it into the
1: fire yeah and then you're going to be
0: trying to help people get out of the tent that's apparently on fire Um, so to me that doesn't like really raise any red flags because like i'm assuming the cops are already there because they were dealing with the protester who had been handing out pamphlets yeah and then they sort of just they do a bit of security because they have got this guy who's been
1: a bit of a nuisance and a yeah. bit of a... Well, no, what I more meant is Dean corners Sue Ann in the back corner of the tent with the door behind him. No one else is in the tent when he corners Sue Ann. We know this because we see the shot of Sue Ann in the corner and there is no one to her right where the stage was, where, every- where um, the pastor was and where everyone was gathered. They all left, which means that the cops have just appeared from the like right hand front corner of the tent, where there is no door, to like come in. De- there's no door from the left of the screen. Well, I mean, I don't know there is no door, but it's also like the tent was only shown to have one entrance. I have a solution. Okay, <laughs> what? The cops run as fast as a windigo. Oh god, I don't know. I just I thought it was weird. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they were there, and I just didn't. Because I but... thought
0: they were in the corner, like sort of near the like closer to the entrance. Based on like my mental mapping of the tent, like you've got the stage at the very far
1: front, yeah, and then Sue to the left of that in the corner.
0: No, see, because I thought she was closer to the back corner. So like the one of the back corners has the door, and then the other back corner had the little like setup because she doesn't go to the altar or anything.
1: Okay, so we're like we've like mirror imaged the tent in our brains. I yeah. think yeah. So um, I
0: thought they were closer to the entrance of the tent
1: yeah and so they just come in
0: through the door because they're outside like helping people around and
1: yeah from what i could
0: tell like and then they heard a yelling and they ran in
1: yeah um i did think that when dean is being sort of manhandled out of the tent by the police and suan says you know the lord will deal with him as he sees fit i was like oh (laughs) damn the lord already is (laughs) he just don't know it yet it was yeah i was like oh it's certainly a choice of line <laughs> yeah also interesting when sam and dean are discussing Suan and her motivations um sam's found this book and it's got all of these black magic spells and you know it shows the instructions for the altar and you know these things and he basically says you know oh you know it's she's evil she's evil and dean kind of goes she's desperate man like her husband was dying you know she was willing to do anything to save her husband and like i thought it was like really interesting that they made that kind of distinction where sam just immediately went oh well she did this so she must be evil and dean was like oh man people do things when they're desperate i know
0: kind of like how you dragged me across the country to come and see a bloody preacher who's apparently healing
1: people with faith like yeah it will exactly and like I but you was... know nothing about desperation to heal the people you love exactly but it's interesting because they can see it in other people but not necessarily in themselves and I just thought that was a fascinating little aside all right See, I get that
0: the different levels of desperate and like they're just uncomprehendingly trying to bloody. Yeah. But like let's talk about the whole faith healing bit for a second. Okay. Because there's the scene at the very end of the episode. Yeah. And Layla goes and sees Dean because Sam's called cool her, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yes. And the sibling energy of that as well. Sam in the background just like hee 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 he. I'm going to go get a soda <laughs> and out he goes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there's that bit. And basically Dean's like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm so sorry this didn't work for you. Like, it is what it is. Like, I couldn't keep letting them kill whoever they wanted to kill, but I'm not allowed to tell you that. So, like, the lies and the layers there. But also he's like, but for what it's worth, like, I I don't really pray, but I'll pray Pray for for you. you. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's a little miracle in and of itself. And I'm like, the fucking layers here. Yeah. Like, she is currently dying of cancer, which she could have theoretically been healed from based on her belief system. Yeah. And based on the fact that if he had just let the Reaper kill the pamphlet dude, Mm. she would not be dying of cancer currently
1: Yeah, and then for her to basically
0: be like oh yeah no it's fine you're going to pray for me like wow.
1: Yeah another interesting quote to come out of this particular scene with Layla who is just such a strong character is you know they're having this sort of back and forth and Dean says it must be rough to believe in something so much and have it disappoint you and she comes back with if you're going to have faith you can't just have faith when the miracles happen you have to have it when they don't and I was like damn that's a good line. Like and it sort of And it came from
0: fucking Supernatural.
1: You'd be shocked how many stellar lines come out of this show. <laughs> but, you know, it's like what an interesting thing to bring up as a concept as well because and not just as it applies to religion. Like in this instance, if we're talking about Dean and things that he's currently working with issues in faith in, we could look at John and discuss him as a figure that Dean has so much faith in, but who is also constantly disappointing him in different ways whether it's not answering his phone calls whether it is belittling him or whether it's the strained relationships and whatever else that is going on that I guess you don't know so much about yet so I will not go into and having to have this faith in his dad even though his dad is giving him fucking nothing you know like yes girl give me nothing (laughs) and you know that's that's something in and of itself as well. So it's, it's interesting because I think that that particular quote, obviously in this context, applies specifically to religion, but I think it can also apply to other aspects going on in the show as well.
0: It even just applies to life.
1: Just in general, yeah. In
0: terms of like if you're only living for the good moments, like you've, you've got to have faith in your own life and your own value even when you're at your lowest point yeah wow is that getting too deep like it's supernatural <laughs> it's not a way, like it's not that deep like it's occasionally really deep but it's like mostly said, an accident i was you know?
1: just that's what i was saying it's like what was that analogy that you came up with it was really good it it's was a kiddie pool and everything's like you know knee level but occasionally there's just a severe
0: drop-off
1: yeah and they the severe drop-offs are placed at random throughout the kiddie pool so yeah. like you take a step forward you might just step into more shallows you might step into the deepest pit possible yeah like that's a great analogy for like the depth of supernatural sometimes like it's at random sometimes it's like not (laughs) even a meter deep and then other times it randomly drops off to like 40 yeah exactly And yes. And there's no in between. Exactly. And especially this episode, it is so clear that it is so accidental because of what we see in later seasons and how this episode in particular ends up aging. Like this episode itself is so relevant to season 15. Okay. PSA
0: time. (laughs) Do you have any guesses this week as to what my PSA is going to be? I haven't even vaguely touched on it at this point. So you're going to be...
1: no. What? I mean... A PSA for this particular yeah. episode, I guess, would be listen to medical professionals and not people that rave about miracle healings on Facebook. Oh, my God. You were so close. <laughs> you were so Wait, close. Okay. Hashtag get the vaccine. <laughs> I mean,
0: yes. Hashtag get back you were so close but not quite okay my PSA this week is do not check yourself out of hospital against medical professional <laughs> advice I was really close damn you were very close not quite yeah. on the money.
1: but Dean's like I just checked myself out I'm like dude I know I know he's wearing his cute little hoodie yeah and Sam's just like well I guess you're here now then <laughs> If I was Sam, I'd be like, right, I'm calling the ambulance. (laughs) Back to hospital we go. Back we go.
0: don't take yourself out of the hospital against medical advice.
1: Yeah, I would uh, second that, just generally. And on that fantastic advice of just, yeah, don't make poor medical decisions, Jamie, what would you rate this episode?
0: I'm probably going to give it out of five stars. Out of five, yeah. Wow. It's not five. Okay. The lighting is too bad for me to give it anything over the three stars. Really? So, three stars. Look, I think I would like it more if I knew more about the God storyline moving forward. Yeah. But also, I don't know anything about the God storyline moving forward. So for me, it's like, it's just an average supernatural episode. Yeah, okay. Which I normally sort of average out around three stars in my brain.
1: Yeah, so, and I've got all the, like, forward thinking context. Yeah. Where it's
0: sort of like, this really, for you, it's like, ooh, This is, like, hidden for, like, the future.
1: Yeah. Whereas for me it doesn't
0: really hit for the future. I just see a TV show where the episode is filmed in the dark in the middle of a muddy pit.
1: Don't you worry. I will be referencing this episode later on so we can come back to discussions about it.
0: No, you don't know my policy. I immediately wipe the episode from my brain when I am done.
1: All right. Well, if we're giving it a, a, a three... Yes. Then we will move on to our next question, which is the next episode is titled Route 666. Yes. Do you have a prediction based on the title?
0: Okay. Route 666. Obviously, it's something to do with the road. a road. Fair, a fair assumption. A specific road, Maybe. Maybe there's, like, a port of hell or something. Like, they're going really hard with the demonic references. So maybe it's, I don't know, you, you drive your car in a specific spot of road and get transported to hell or something. That
1: does sound like something that would happen on Supernatural. Yeah. So I'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> but that's your prediction?
0: I will say, though, just from the title, Route 666, yeah. I'm expecting something corny as hell. <laughs> I am expecting something that is not a good episode of Supernatural. Like, that
1: title alone it's is, giving like, you bad vibes. <laughs> it's giving you bad vibes. Alrighty, so if that is all you have for your prediction... Yeah, yeah that wraps cool. up my prediction. Uh, so that brings us to the end of today's episode. So if you want to interact with us at all, you can go and find Jamie over on Twitter at Pod. And, I don't know... Oh, do you know what? A good theme from this episode. You could send her the most, like, out-of-context unintelligible spoilers possible I feel like that could be fun I'm for her to like wade through <laughs> for her to wade through because she's gonna look at it and be like huh, um, that makes no sense and I will look at her and go, huh that's hilarious.
0: If anyone actually does this, I'll probably just send a bunch of screenshots to Bethany.
1: And I will cry laughing and it'll be a good time.
0: Though while we're talking about sending people messages, if you want to find Bethany, <laughs> she's on Tumblr at Driver Picks the podcast. And I think you should just really give her some detailed schematics on how you can convert a stun gun to deliver 100,000 <laughs> volts of electricity.
1: I feel like she really needs that in her day-to-day life. Let's do a deep dive into the um, potential parameters surrounding...
0: Definitely needs to know how to be able to
1: kill somebody with electrocution at any time. That sounds good. Let's talk about science on Tumblr. Wow,
0: that is so a brand for you. I'll
1: I'll at Hank Green on uh, TikTok and I'll ask him.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think now that you know where to find us, I think that pretty well concludes us for the episode.
1: Uh, Thanks for listening and hopefully we'll hear from you on social media or you'll hear from us next week. Bye.